Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show to kick off your week. It's Ian Mendes Lee Salvian with you as always for the Monday podcast ahead in the next hour or so. The Evander Kane saga boiled over. San Jose on the weekend will discuss whether or not the winger can find a home again in the NHL this season. The Dallas Stars, they're in the news for a couple of reasons as John Klingberg publicly aired his frustration about contract talks over the past few days while his head coach Rick Bonus. Also had a bit of a public display of frustration that made the rounds on social media. So we'll get into that. Daniel Nugent Bowman will drop by to chat all things Oilers with us as they appear to be reaching a crossroads after a terrific start to the season. They have really, really struggled in the last six weeks. And we'll wrap up the show as we always do with a little multiple choice madness. Talking about uh, whether or not we'll be more impressed if a forward scores 60 goals in a season or if a defenseman scores 30. And we'll also hit on a monkey dropping the puck for his ceremonial face-off. It was all part of uh, the weekend that was in uh, in the hockey world. But I'll tell you what, Haley, uh, pretty good weekend to be a sports fan. I mean, there was some some great. I mean, the Saturday night Toronto Cal, um, Toronto Colorado game was bananas. It was it lived up to the hype. It was entertaining. And then we had a, an unbelievable weekend in football. It kind of felt like you know what? This is a great weekend in. Uh, in the world of sports. It was a great weekend to have the flames not playing. Um, (laughs) I didn't, you know what I did on Saturday night, uh, after watching all the games, I then watched the Sopranos had some wine. Like I did nothing. I did nothing. Usually I work on the weekends or I'm like, you know, I'm going to try to get this ready. I'm going to try to do this. My week's easier. I was like, you know what? No, (laughs) I'm going to sit here I watch all this stuff that's on TV. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do anything. And I put in a shift on the couch and just watched sports and watched HBO with my dog. And it was great. Um, but that the the Leafs-Avs game was great. Um, I thought that was a really, like, you know, I think Dom made the tweet. It was like, this would be an amazing, like, cup yeah. final or um, – and obviously all the responses were like, Leafs got to get out of the first round and, you know, the Avs got to get there too. But it was a, it was great. There was the star power. There was good matchups. I mean, it was, it was a great game to watch. And I thought the, I thought watching Anaheim and Detroit go up against each other was actually quite entertaining too, because you've kind of got the battle of the three potential Calder trophy yeah. finalists this year. So that's kind of a fun matchup. And the Ducks have been so great to watch. I'm a huge fan of Trevor Zegers. I really can't overstate that. I've been watching a lot of Devils games too, just because Jack Hughes is super fun. I don't know what it is. We've got to, we've got to get to the bottom of this one day. Like what is it about these American kids? And this is the Canadian show. So this really hurts me. I know. I hope Sean and Craig aren't listening, but but what is it about these American kids? Yeah. Yeah. They've got the skill, the personality. Amazing. Totally. 
Yeah, yeah. The Kachuk brothers. You, you name it. Uh, Caulfield, yeah. Like uh, eating go- pizza in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm with you. They, it. It's exactly what we need in the game. You're right. Uh, watching Anaheim, Detroit, and you got Zegris, and you got Mort Sider, and you got Lucas Raymond. And a little later, we're going to talk about whether or not we think Alex Nedeljkovic should even be a, uh, a Calder finalist. But it's uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun right now because you feel like this, and I feel like Zegris. Even though statistically Lucas Raymond is kind of, you know, right there or not better, do you not feel like Trevor Zegris, ever since the the flip pass to Sonny Milano, it's like, okay, by the way, he's just gonna win the Calder trophy. Like just based on that. Like the the hype around him has just been magnified like a hundredfold in the last two weeks or whatever. Yeah, I think it it probably just depends on what kind of impact you're looking for a player to have in terms of the rookie of the year. I mean, I think this year is going to be more of a battle than last year where everyone just kind of assumed it was going to be Kaprizov who won just because you looked at his stat line and the impact he had on the Minnesota Wild. Um, But I think, to me, it's tough because Lucas Raymond has been great. Um, I think when it comes down to the two Detroit guys, I think Mort Sider probably has a more overall impact on the game from his position, and he's been really, really impressive. Um, I would love to see what his level of competition's been. Not that that's going to be a crazy thing. You're still a rookie, even if you're playing really well against second or third lines. It's, it's still great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Something. Uh, I think it's going to come... I think it's going to be tough because I think Zegris is obviously there's probably more attention paid to him. I think um, it probably depends on what team ends up doing better through 82 games for sure. I think he's got the the flashiness and the skill set and then he puts that on display. So I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. I think I'm a like I said, I'm a huge Zegris fan. I think I lean a bit towards more at Cider right now just because of that overall impact he has in the game. But I wouldn't be shocked if Trevor Zegers won because of the skill set that he that he shows and and he's not afraid to and he's you know he's got the confidence to do certain things and that's certainly impressive. Um I don't know. I'm I'm still torn. It's gonna take me like the rest of the season to be watching this um between those three for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably waffle on it a bunch. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. Those are three dynamic players, uh, and you're right. Moritz Sider might be uh, the best young defense, like rookie defenseman in the game. And it's just you know, you're, it's it's exciting to be a Detroit fan. I think right now they've uh, they've kind of taken a step forward in the rebuild this season, and it's certainly I think been fun uh, to watch them. Something that was not fun on the weekend, uh, Evander Kane, uh, Haley, and this was probably the biggest story in the weekend that was as the relationship between Evander Kane and the San Jose Sharks. Uh, ultimately ended on the weekend. And basically, just to give people the uh, the rundown version, if you're not aware of kind of how this all played out, but the Sharks, of course, placed Evander Kane on unconditional waivers on the weekend with the intent to essentially terminate his contract. And the reason why is they felt that uh, he once again breached the COVID protocols, this time in the American Hockey League. And if you recall... Uh, back at the beginning of the season, Evander Kane was suspended for the first 20-some-odd games of the season because it was determined that he tried to falsify his uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccination stuff. So he was already in hot water for that. And now, and I, by the way, a terrific piece of uh, writing from our uh, our two writers, Corey Massasak and uh, and Kevin Kurz. They teamed up to write a piece on kind of Evander Kane and the San Jose Sharks in the weekend and talked about, well, this time around... This would be his second COVID-19 uh, 
protocol violation. The first, as I said, tried to provide a fake vaccination card, got called out for that. This time around, Haley, it seems as though uh, while he was supposed to be in quarantine over the Christmas holidays, he left the San Jose area and returned to his um, hometown of Vancouver. And that is what uh, they're saying. He breached it. This is obviously going to be interesting because uh, Vander Kane's agent on Monday, Dan Milstein, saying that there's interest around the league to sign his client who could be a free agent. The NHLPA is going to file a grievance here. They're probably likely looking to protect Vander Kane's financial interest. There's a lot of ways this could go. But let's start with this, okay? Is there a scenario or a team and a situation you could see a Vander Kane fitting into Haley for the rest of this season. Let's say he's a he's a free agent now. You could sign him to a one year rest of the season deal, a million bucks, eight fifty. I don't know, whatever it is. Is there a situation where you think that this can work out for Vander Kane and the team that signs him? Absolutely, I think there's enough owners, general managers, front offices who value winning enough that they're going to go and sign this player. Um, it's going to be likely at a way lower cap hit and salary than he's making right now. So there's an incentive there. And, you know, I think there's going to be teams who say like, you know, it's not worth the, the PR. It's not worth, um, you know, there, I think one of the big things with Evander and San Jose was just the stories of, of issues in the locker room, not showing up to practice on time, you know, not respecting the veterans or the captains in the room and, not doing X, Y, Z. I think there was a lot of turmoil um, that had been, and it's not my opinion, it's just from what we've read and what's been reported. You know, there's a lot of problems in that locker room. So I think that's, I think more than anything, that's probably something that teams are going to say, like, ooh, maybe we don't want to add that to the mix. If a team's got a really good room, they've got a lot gelling, it's going to be like, we don't want to mess up our chemistry. That's going to be the thing that teams are like, wait a second, the chemistry is going to be off, not the like, you know, look at all these other problems that just led to yeah. to him being available in the first place. I think that's just kind of the way that, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked to see him sign somewhere. I think, um, you know, it's different. It's, you know, I don't want to say it's apples to oranges, but they're different people. But like Tony D'Angelo had issues last season and, and he got a contract. With the Carolina Hurricanes, I might add, who's a team that everyone thinks that, because of their social media presence is like the fun, quirky, like, you know, friendly Inclusive. neighbor kind of yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Inclusive. Totally. Like, you know, be, their social media presence is very like everyone loves the Canes. <laughs> but their social team is not the one that's owning and, and running the operation there. And, and obviously the people at the top were like, yeah, he's really good. We need to replace Dougie. Let's go get Tony D'Angelo. And I think there's going to be teams that think the exact same way with Evander Kane. Um, we need a guy who can score 20 goals. We need a guy who can change the game. We need a better power forward. We need a better whatever to add to our group. And Evander Kane is going to be there. And he's a great hockey player. He was incredible last season. And people aren't going to forget that. Okay. So I think a couple of things that are interesting here. Like, I wonder who is the NHL's version of the New England Patriots? Because when you think about the New England Patriots, the NFL, they often would bring in guys who needed a second chance or, or a chance to prove yeah. themselves again. They had the right culture, right? Like, is Tampa that team? And and here's what I think is really interesting. From the reporting from, from Corey and Kevin on the weekend, uh, in, in their column, this is what they wrote. And I, I, this is fascinating to me. I'm going to read this word for word, okay? 
Evander okay. Kane, whom the Sharks tried to move over the summer after it became known to management that most of his now former teammates did not want him back, currently has a three-team trade list. It's believed to be Tampa Bay, Florida, and Vancouver. It's unclear whether any of those teams were ever interested in acquiring him. This is a change from previous years when Kane had teams like the Buffalo Sabres, Winnipeg Jets, and Vegas Golden Knights on his list of acceptable destinations. In other words, two teams that he had played for in the past that would highly be uh, were be highly unlikely to reacquire him, and another team in Vegas in which he was immensely disliked by the fan base stemming from his battles with former Golden Knights forward Ryan Reeves. It's like, Haley, this is fascinating to me. So what you're telling me, Corey Massasak and Kevin Kurz, is that in his <laughs> old uh, no-trade agreement, Evander Kane was like, yeah, I'll accept the trade to the following three teams. The Buffalo Sabres, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Vegas Golden Knights, knowing damn well none of them would trade for him. I, this is unbelievable to me, no? That's so freaking petty. Like, <laughs> uh, you know what? And <laughs> it's actually kind of great. I mean, it's bad, but it's kind of great. Like, and you know what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I had this conversation. It's a completely different situation, completely different. And like, this is not something I'd heard. Like, I think, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is great. Um, I'm a big fan of his too. But I remember thinking in the summer, I was like, because he has a he has a five-team trade list now. And they didn't, because the Flames didn't re-sign him in the summer. I was like, what if for some reason the Flames tried to sign him and Johnny was just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to pick the five teams that will never get this done just right. because you didn't re-sign me this summer. And obviously, like, you know, the hope is still that the Flames are going to re-sign Johnny Gaudreau. So I don't want any Flames fans to hear that and be like, no, Johnny, don't do that. Um, Johnny Gaudreau is not a Vander Kane. Uh I think it's funny. I think within the context of everything, maybe not so much, but I don't know. That's the level of petty that is, yep. I mean, whatever. It's your prerogative. Like, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I do think it's funny that, uh, according to our reporting here again from, from Corey and Kevin, that Tampa Bay and Florida appear to be on his three-team list that he would accept a trade to. And you would think, Haley, that as, as we talked about earlier, uh, places where he might fit in, places where, you know, maybe maybe he could slide in. Uh, do Tampa and Florida fit that criteria criteria for you? I mean, I don't think Tampa has the cap space. But I mean, but, you, you don't. Could they juggle him around, get him in at seven hundred eighty thousand, whatever the minimum salary is, eight hundred thousand, like for the rest of the year? Right, right, right. You know, like you're probably not signing him to anything more than a, the the rest of the year. And league minimum. I'd be shocked if he gets anything more than that. Um, so I'm thinking Tampa, Florida. Uh, would you? Would you? Would you do that? Yeah, I mean, are the Panthers going to want to take the hit on signing Evander Kane after everything that happened already this year. Do the Tampa Bay Lightning want to add someone into the fold when they have a chance to repeat? Is he going to come into the locker room and be a problem? They've got a good thing going there. Like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where the fit is. I don't know who the the Tampa – I almost said Tampa Bay. I don't know who the Patriots are. And and I, I know, like, the Patriots have a good culture, but I also think, like, some of it is just, like, Tom Brady 
bringing guys in too, because we saw that with Antonio Brown and, right. and Tampa Bay bringing him in. I honestly don't know. Like, I wonder if there's someone that Evander's been really close with that's going to pull for him in the room if, it, if it's a team that I, I – I know that there's going to be teams that are going to be interested, and we've heard that from the agent. I just, I really can't imagine who that's going to be right now without, I don't know, it's, it's tough, but I'm sure we're going to see him play. Yeah. Yeah, it's, anyway, this, this to me is going to be one of the most interesting stories. And again, his agent, Dan Milstein, on social media on Monday saying, uh, or suggesting, Haley, that multiple teams are interested. Now, does that mean, is that him just trying to, ratchet up a little bit of a market. Yeah, hey, listen, that's what that's what good agents do, right? They they create a little bit of buzz. But boy, oh boy, like I'm I'm so interested to see where this goes because the guy's got oodles of talent. Uh he was San Jose's uh, most productive forward uh, about a year ago. So it's not like he, you're talking about somebody who was good 5 years ago. He was good last year. So I yeah. I think this is going to be really interesting. I think if if he go like boy, like Tampa would actually be the place to me because if 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 he can't go there and fit in, then where else can he go? Right? Like I, I don't know. But you're right. Maybe they don't want to mess with a three-peat by bringing in a potentially combustible part to uh, to the mix. Well, I'll tell you what, Haley. Uh, you know, Evander Kane, not the only unhappy player, and kind of in with a little bit of friction with uh, with his team. Uh, John Klingberg of the Dallas Stars with some interesting comments last week about his contract negotiations. Uh, he kind of basically let it be known publicly that he feels underappreciated by the Dallas stars uh, basically feels like they've ghosted him for lack of a better term. He's like, Hey, I'm sitting here. I'm me and my agent are trying to be flexible. We're trying to be flexible on term and dollar. He's like, I, we're not even hearing from them. And he basically feels like, uh, you know, he, he wants to stay in Dallas. He's not hearing anything. Uh, now people are starting to say that John Klingberg is in the last year of his deal. He's 29 years old. He probably is a, is trade bait at this stage of the game. What do you think about a player kind of going public? You know, oftentimes teams and players try to keep things tightly under wraps. Don't like stuff leaking out. John Klingberg basically came out and said, I've wanted to stay. I want to stay. I haven't heard anything from them. What, what, what do you think this does to the negotiations? Does it, does it help facilitate a deal in terms of a contract, or does it kind of facilitate a trade out of town? Yeah, well, first, I, I like that from a player. I think um, it's refreshing to hear them come out and be honest, and they're kind of just putting, you know, the stars, I guess the GM and then the front office, like their their feet to the fire a little bit. It's like, hey, you know what? Like, do something here. Um And you know what? That could, that could mean they're going to be done with him. That could mean they get a trade, but it's going to – probably force them into some kind of action and the player is kind of taking control of that because he felt like probably nothing else was happening like he said um I don't know I like it I think a lot of times we hear I'm just again because I'm in Calgary I'm thinking of you know the Sam Bennett um saga from last season here in Calgary where it was reported on Hockey Night in Canada that Sam Bennett had requested a trade out of Calgary and then you know Sam Bennett wouldn't talk about it to the media or he wouldn't say anything about it. And it was all very like, you know, I'm going to let my agent and broad tree living deal with this. I'm going to let this and this and this. And it's like, you know what? Like it's out there. Like your, your people are probably the ones that got that out there. Like you want out. Tell us why. And that's obviously a selfish thing as a media member to say, because it's a better story. 
But I, I like it. You're being honest about your situation. You're being real. That's something that we, I think I always appreciate when we get it in the game because we always get the company line, right? It's always, I'm going to let my agent deal with this. Um, and so you had a player kind of taking control over his situation. Um, is that going to mean they resign him? Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of petty people in NHL front offices, so maybe that'll just piss them off. Um, but you know, maybe it'll get him flipped somewhere at the deadline. It'll get him flipped to a contender and maybe he could resign there. He gets flipped to a contender and then he contests the waters of free agency. Um, but I think what it does is it probably forces some action and that's probably what his intention was. And, uh, you know, situation in Dallas is, is pretty interesting on Sunday, their head coach, Rick bonus, uh, let some frustration be known publicly as well, Haley in a, in a different way. So, if you, if you weren't paying attention to this game, basically the Dallas Stars are up on St. Louis. Last couple of minutes of the game, they're up one nothing. Well, uh, he, Rick Bonus watches his team allow St. Louis to rally with two power play goals in the final minute of regulation time. Ryan O'Reilly and uh, Jordan Cairo scoring, I think it was 18 seconds apart, giving St. Louis a dramatic, wild, crazy two- 2-1 comeback win. And Bonus was frustrated. He felt like there was some missed penalty calls. And then uh, Miro Heiskanen got called for a, a penalty. Anyway, at the end of the game, Bonus grabs his stick off the bench. And I mean, angrily smashes it two times on the bench. And I want to know what you think about, you know, coaches often will preach, you got to stay disciplined. You got to stay controlled. They preach that to their players. When we see a coach lose it like this, what do we think? Are we okay with it? Because, hey, you're a human being, you're frustrated, or you know what? You should practice what you preach, and you, you should keep it a little bit more uh, under wraps. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I see stuff like that, I always just, my reaction is never like, he shouldn't do that. My reaction is always just like, ooh, he's, a, he's angry. Like, I don't know. I, I never... Maybe that maybe I should care more about it, but like I, I think it's, I guess just as a viewer, you kind of watch and you're like, that's kind of funny. Like he's losing his mind right now. He's very very angry. It's like, what is it from Elf? Like, ooh, he's an angry Elf. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like if Rick Bonus is like preaching in the room to tell the player, and that's the thing, I don't know what his coaching style is. I don't know if that's what he's saying to his players, right? So if he's in the room at inter at you know intermission saying like keep your cool guys, like, play within the whistles, like, don't, you know, don't, don't lose your cool, and then he goes and does that, then it's just like, okay, well, what did you, what did you just tell us, and then you didn't follow it up with your own kind of action, I don't know, what do you think about it, because for me, I see it, and you're just like, for me, I saw that, and was just like, I wonder if he's gonna get a fine, like Ron Brindamore did, Right. Um, but like Rod Brindamore was screaming in the face of the ref and he's like smashing a stick as everyone's leaving the bench. So it's not like he smashed the stick at the ref or something. But I, so I don't know. What do you think about it? Well, it's it's going to be interesting, right? Because I think it was at, at, at some point when Brindamore got fined and it was $25,000, they basically said that all coaches in the league, okay, are put on notice effective immediately. And this was from back in October. Effective immediately, all general managers and coaches are put on notice that any public comments and dis and demeaning displays that are critical of officiating, video replay, 
and supplemental discipline specifically, uh, and also the the league and the game in general, will automatically get a fine uh, that is no less than $25,000. So my question is, does that... I guess, does that constitute bonus angry at the officials or angry at the city? Like, could Rick Bonus say, hey, man, I just lost the game 2-1. I wasn't mad at the refs. I was just smashing a stick. Like, do you think that there's a defense to that? I I have a bad feeling he's going to get fined and they're going to say we don't like that type of public display. But I, I I don't know. I think I agree with you in that. I I mean, I don't know. Was it directed directly at the officials? Uh, it did look like he was barking at somebody, right? Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. I mean, I think it's kind of it's a separate conversation, but I I thought that that you know memo going out being it, like trying to control yeah. the message is a little rich. Um, didn't love that, <laughs> but I think if you're gonna find if you're gonna find one guy for it, you should probably stick to it across the board. But again, there's a difference between smashing your stick post game while everyone's leaving the bench. And like screaming in the referee's face. And I don't think Rick Bonus came out to the media and said anything about the referees. He just kind of had that moment post game where he smashed the stick as he was walking off the bench. So I think he's kind of got a bit of an out there. You know, I wasn't, I didn't do it at the guy. I didn't scream in the guy's face. I didn't say anything post game. I just smashed my stick or someone's stick. I wonder whose it was. Can we find that out? Yeah. What stick did he smash? He just smashed a stick and walked off. So. Maybe he'll get away with it. Cause I mean, goalies smash their sticks all the time. Are they getting are they getting fined for inappropriate behavior? Cause they're usually smashing their stick because they're mad at themselves. So Rick Bonus can probably just say, like, I was mad about the team. I was mad about my coaching performance. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that one. All right, Haley. Uh tell you what, this, this should have been a, a game day for the Ottawa Senators against the Edmonton Oilers on Monday. Uh surprise, surprise. That game has been postponed again. Uh, but we're still going to kind of talk about the Edmonton Oilers here, Haley, because I, as compelling as as Calgary has been lately with that uh, kind of road trip uh, out against the uh, the heavyweights, I got to say, Haley, the the situation a couple hours north of you, boy, you got to be uh, fans in Calgary must be looking up to Edmonton and just with so much fascination with what's unfolding. In Edmonton, just before we bring uh, Daniel on here, Daniel Nugent Bowman, I got to ask you how Flames fans are feeling about watching the Oilers implode right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the rivalry is a pretty great one. I think everyone kind of knows that. So I think uh, one of the things, you know, the Flames lost three straight to three really good teams in their last road trip. And, you know, one of the things that kind of made it better was like, well, at least Edmonton's <laughs> not doing well. Like the Flames lost a couple. I think Vegas lost a couple at home and Edmonton is doing what they're doing. So I think that kind of gives Flames fans this kind of cushion uh, just as a fan base, but also just when you look at the Pacific Division. Flames had that long, long layoff. They lost four straight. They won two, then lost three straight. And they're still above the Oilers in the standings. So it's all, it's all good. I mean, it's all relative, but it's all good in Calgary when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers right now for sure. Well, let's uh, let's bring in our guy. Daniel Nugent Bowman does a terrific job covering the Oilers for us uh, with The Athletic. And I'll tell you, there's been no shortage of things to talk about, whether it's coaching, goaltending, frustrations from superstars. And now we got ourselves a COVID outbreak. Uh, listen, Daniel, first of all, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. I was going to kind of add to Haley's uh, what she said there. I was wondering if it was spec- or, um 
fascination from Flames fans are just downright glee because it has not been very good here in Edmonton. It's uh, two, two, nine and two over the last 13 games. And, you know, when they, before they started that free fall, they were in first place by points percentage in the entire league. So uh, they woke up on December 1st with the, with the best points percentage in the NHL. And it's, it's been a, a quite the drop off since then. So yeah, there's lots to talk about. So which way do you guys want to start? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think maybe just, Hey, listen, the, the, the COVID outbreak has obviously put a halt uh, on the schedule for now, as I mentioned, it was supposed to be Ottawa Edmonton on Monday. That game's been punted to later in the week. So give our listeners a sense of, you know, how many players are affected here. Uh, McDavid is obviously the, the headliner. Uh, is it f- a feeling like he'll be back? And, and when do we expect Edmonton's next game to take place? Yeah, so they were supposed to practice Sunday at 2 o'clock uh, p.m. here in um, in Edmonton Mountain Time. Uh, and McDavid was supposed to be on the ice for that. So he missed the Toronto game on Wednesday, along with Tyson Berry and um, and Derek Ryan. Uh, and those three players were supposed to be out of protocol to be able to practice Sunday and 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 with all likelihood be able to play Monday. So uh, Friday, Kyler Yamamoto was pulled off the ice uh, because of a positive COVID test. And then Saturday, four other players, along with Yamamoto, went into protocols, along with six staffers. So that was kind of where the first real red flag went up. And then uh, two more players, um, Warren Fogel and uh, Brendan Perlini, went into – oh, sorry, no. Uh, I forget who the other uh, the other one was, actually. But uh, there's two players that, that went into protocol on, on uh, Sunday, and that's what prompted uh, practice to be canceled. Uh, and, and therefore the game, uh, tomorrow or today, Monday being canceled and, and postponed to Saturday. So, uh, the Oilers, you know, they've had their COVID problems. There's only eight players on the active roster who, uh, who haven't uh, been in protocol, but they they haven't been like, you know, Calgary or, or a couple of these other teams where they've all happened at once and prompted a shutdown. This is really the first, um, kind of significant wave of it. Uh, so they've, they've had probably two or three games where it's really impacted the, the, the lineup. Uh, but it's kind of been, you know, since the end of November, they've kind of had one or two guys on on the uh, the COVID protocol list um, and, and, uh, and unable to play games. And it's really kind of come to a head here. But uh, hopefully, you know, when the, the action kind of picks up again on Saturday, it should be uh, relatively uh, out of the picture for them and for the next little while. This has kind of been more than just COVID stuff with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, obviously, we we just kind of touched a bit on with the Flames, with what's been going on with Edmonton. But can you find something to put your finger on of the problem that's wrong with the Oilers? And it kind of feels like we could have seen some of this coming in the offseason or, or maybe early in the season. There was a lot of power play success. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm completely, completely shocked that the team is – having these problems. Are you? No, I'm not either, Haley. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously had a tremendous start to the year going uh, nine and one. And as I, as I mentioned right off the hop there, just on December 2nd, they were 16 and, and, and five. So uh, tremendous record, uh, a lot of things going well, but there were a lot of things that they were doing that were, um, you know, kind of going above and, and beyond what could be expected, you know, like, you know, the power play up until a few games before that, that uh, drop off, um, it was over 40%. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, as great as they are, you know, they're scoring two points a game. Um, you can't really keep that up <laughs> uh, at that at that level. And, you know, now that they are down to one point a game, basically, uh, you know, that's, that's a, you know, essentially a goal or a goal and a half, depending on if they're contributing on each other's, on each other's goals that they're losing. And, you know, the power play has dropped off a little bit. 
Uh, goaltending has been, I would say, average throughout the course of the year. Uh, Miko Koskinen has had a few really good games, but uh, you know, over the course of the last, you know, through the stretch, the last 13 games, the, the goaltending's fallen off. Uh, Mike Smith has only played uh, six games this year due to, to a couple different injuries. And their best goaltender has been Stuart Skinner, who's, um, you know, just above average in terms of a lot of his stats, but uh, is now back in the, in the AHL. So um, you couple all that with the fact this this team has had depth issues for years and and uh, Ken Holland really tried to fix that in the offseason, getting, you know, guys like Warren Fogel and Derek Ryan, hoping for a, for a bounce back from a guy like Zach Cassian. And, and that third line was was very good for the first, you know, five, six games and has really taken a tumble and, and uh, you know, they haven't been line mates much. Uh, the, the, when McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't, aren't on the ice at five on five, the Oilers are getting scored, outscored rather, uh, 38 to, uh, to 19. So a, exactly a two to one ratio. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all you need to know, right? Like, you know, these guys, McDavid and Dreisaitl are the, the number one and, and two forwards, uh, Dreisaitl being ahead of McDavid in terms of ice time they can only do so much. I mean, dress out of playing just under 23 minutes a night. Uh, still leaves a lot of time that you need to uh, put together a competent lineup. And uh, unfortunately for the Oilers, that's been the real issue for this team over the past years. And people thought it was going to get better, but it's, it's, uh, it's actually gotten worse. What about the calls um, to fire their head coach? Is it time to consider moving on from Dave Tippett? He certainly deserves to be on the hot, hot seat. There's no question about it. When you look at the, the record that they've had uh, two, nine and two, uh, with the type of team that this is, I mean, there are some holes, but the way that they went out and spent in the off season, you look at Tyson Berry uh, being re-signed, Cody Cece being brought in to, um, to replace uh, Adam Larson, who, who left for Seattle. Um, obviously, everyone talks about the Duncan Keith trade and them think, paying full price uh, to acquire him from Chicago. Zach Hyman coming in, Ryan Nugent Hopkins being re-signed. Uh, this was the summer that Ken Holland had... Uh, you know, the money and, and this, you know, the cap space and, and flexibility to be able to revamp the lineup the way, you know, at least, you know, the way he wanted or, or as best as he could, given the, the parameters, the, you know, the salary cap and what was available in free agency. And with McDavid and Settle being right in their primes, being the top two scorers of the league as they've had, if they ha- as they have been for the last little while, um, this is a win now time, you know, there's no more excuses here. And, and uh, you know, a stretch like this, um, has gotten coaches fired in the past. Now, Ken Holland is a, known to be a very patient general manager and has never fired a coach in season and in his, his entire uh, tenure as a general manager dating back to the 97-98 um, season. So, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's really unlikely that that happens. And, and, you know, with the way things have happened here with this, um, this game getting pushed back, I think, and Dave Tippett also being on the COVID list, there's some extenuating circumstances uh, combined with, with the injuries that they've had that I, I don't think Ken Holland really wants to make that move. Uh, but if things continue, I, I think he'll be left with, with very little choice because it's very hard, especially as I, as I mentioned with all these players coming in, it's very hard to really revamp uh, your lineup in season and, and, and make some trades when you have a lot of guys under long-term contracts and, and the coach is the one um for lack of a better word that the GM can, can use uh, because it doesn't require um, any kind of salary cap considerations. It's a very easy move, you know, get rid of one guy, bring in another uh, without having to make any type of trade. And Dave Tippett is in the last year of his contract. So um, he's the type of guy that uh, he's had a long career and has a lot of other, um, you know, business and outside interests of the game. He's, he's totally fine being, being on kind of a year to year basis right now. I know he wants to do well here. He wants to win, but 
Uh, if, if, if Tippett were to be let go, it wouldn't be, you know, the end of the world from, from his perspective in that regard. I mean, don't get me wrong. He does want to win and everything and he wants to be here, but uh, there is that, that logical um, line that people are drawing in terms of, of Dave Tippett being on the hot seat and what's gone on here. And, and there have been some, um, some questionable uh, moves, I would say, in terms of how um, he's kind of manipulated the, the roster recently. Uh, you know, Darnell Nurse is a, is a very important guy on a lot of nights, even when the defense is completely healthy, is up toward the 30-minute mark. But there's been a couple of games where he's been absent due to, due to injury and then uh, a couple of games because of, uh, or just one, I guess, because of COVID. Uh, but uh, in that game, they went with six defensemen and um, they, they had to dress due to cap considerations, a, a very young defenseman, Dmitry Samarukov. Uh, and he, you know, had two glaring mistakes on, on the, um, on the uh, you know, the first two St. Louis goals very early in the game. And, uh, and Dave Tippett decided, and along with the associate coach, Jim Playfair, who works with the defense, but they decided not to use Samarukov for the rest of the game. So for 50 minutes, it went down to five defense. Duncan Keith played almost 27 minutes and he's barely played due to COVID and, and uh, an injury uh, over, you know, over the last month before that. And, and Duncan Keith is at this 38 years old and is at the point of his career where, where he can't take on those minutes. And so he had one of his worst games uh, throughout the rest of that, that night. Uh, you can't put guys in, in situations like that. And, and there's been a couple of other examples, but um, he's, he's very, very reliant and over uh, reliant in some cases on his veterans and, um, and obviously playing his stars quite a bit. So, you know, um, he deserves to be on the hot seat, whether or not he gets fired. Uh, that's, that's another, I think, I think the next few games will kind of determine that, but I think it is, um, a case where Ken Holland really does not want to make, make that move. You know, it, it's interesting. I think because you, you mentioned Ken Holland never making an in-season coaching change as a general manager. And there's one name though, that keeps coming up at least externally. And that's Mike Babcock, because obviously Kenny Holland and Mike Babcock won a Stanley cup together in Detroit in 2008. They've got a history. Um, Is that the name that's being bandied about in your market at Edmonton? And if not, what are some of the names that people are talking about of potential replacements down the road, whether it's this season or beyond for Dave Tippett? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that, that, that came up a couple, a few few days ago or, or over a week ago now uh, with um, with Elliot Freeman putting that out up there and then and then going to Holland uh, to to get uh, Holland's denial or, or what have you um, obviously there's that straight line parallel between um, between Babcock and Holland given their their tenure and their history together um, if you're looking for an established coach I think that's probably the guy that everyone thinks of it's funny though I have a 20 month old daughter and um, she has for whatever reason, maybe it's because of her father <laughs> watching hockey, but she's always interested in hockey on TV. So this morning, after our usual round of Baby Shark, which uh, I've kind of gotten fed up with, <laughs> she 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 called for hockey to go on, and I just threw on YouTube and what came up? But the the nineteen uh, or sorry, the the two thousand sixteen uh, World Cup of hockey, and uh, it's on right now actually the uh, Canada Russia uh, semifinal game, and I'm thinking, oh, that's funny. Who's the coach? Well, it's Mike Babcock. That was, uh, we're going on six years ago. And, and what has he done really since? Well, he won, they obviously won that tournament. Uh, and then he, you know, coached Toronto to a lot of, I would say middling or, uh, even worse results with the team that he had. Uh, there were a lot of questions about obviously what went on in, in Toronto and how he, uh, conducted him, himself with, with, you know, obviously the, the stuff with Mitch Marner and, and, and all that, but also the way he manipulated the lineup. and. Uh, 
you know, maybe Dreisaitl and McDavid are, are playing too much here. But the huge criticism criticism of uh, Mike Babcock in Toronto is that he wasn't playing his stars enough. So I would rather, you know, lean on the side of overplaying my stars than underplaying them. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Mike Babcock is certainly the, the right guy here in, in Edmonton. I, I think that there's going to be constant speculation about him, uh, given the, again, given the history that he and Ken Holland have together. But um, I think if you're looking for the kind of names that people are talking about in the, in this market, I think uh, oddly enough, they are in house. Uh, Jay Woodcroft is a, another guy that Ken Holland knows very well. He goes back to uh, Detroit days uh, post lockout uh, being a video coach and has worked his way up through uh, the NHL ranks in terms of being um, an assistant coach. And is now in his fourth year coaching the farm team in Bakersfield has done a tremendous job there of, of uh, rounding out some prospects and getting them up. Uh, the other guy is in-house is Glenn Gullitson, who um, has coached two NHL teams and uh, is in um, uh, his responsibility is, um, is power play along with the forwards. And the power play is, is obviously very good, even though it has taken a little bit of a dip lately. So um, if you're looking for in-house guys, those are the, those are the two that, that immediately come to mind. Uh, outside, you know, um, I think you, you need kind of somebody that can get the best out of uh, those bottom six uh, players. And uh, uh, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl can do what they do with, with very little help and coaching. I think it's the it's a rest of the lineup that needs some, some fine-tuning. Um, I'm not sure if Mike Babcock is the guy, but he's going to be the guy that that people talk about uh, regardless of, of uh, whether it's the right move or not. So you already mentioned there's probably not going to be an in-season coaching change or it's it's unlikely to happen based on Ken Holland's previous body of work. What are some of the other ways that the Oilers can get back on track here? A goaltender. They need a goalie very badly. Uh, they needed one for years. And, uh, you know, it's not to put all the, the blame on Miko Koskinen. Again, he's had some pretty good games. He's just a goaltender who's quite frankly been put in an, an not uh, you know a, a, he's been put over his head in terms of what he's been been asked to do. Um, his best season came two years ago when uh, he was sharing the, the load in net with Mike Smith and had a nine seventeen save percentage. Um, since then, Smith, uh, who's going to turn forty <laughs> in March, uh, has had injuries in the last two seasons. Has been out for extended periods of time, and when Miko Koskinen has you know been forced to play long stretches with very little uh, reprieve, uh, although Stuart Skinner has been able to offer him that this year. Um, he's really struggled, you know, it's early in games, it's bad goals. Um, you know, he, he's not, he's not a starting goaltender in, in the national hockey league. And um, you know, in fairness to Ken Holland, he did not sign him to that contract. It was signed by Peter Shirelli and the, uh, the ownership and management team, uh, a day before Peter Shirley was fired, which is a whole nother uh, uh, oddity of its own, but um, it was a complete overpayment from day one at $4.5 million over three years. And, uh, it, you know, given the, the parameters of that deal, you know, not playing up to it. And, and, you know, he has a no, no trade clause to half the teams in the league. It's very hard to move on from that contract, but, you know, Holland has tried to, to upgrade the goaltending. Everyone knows about uh, Jacob Markstrom a couple of off seasons ago last summer, uh, he was in on Darcy Kemper uh, before uh, Colorado got him instead of uh, Edmonton from from Arizona, um, but he also kind of hedged his bet in, in signing Mike Smith to a to a two year contract that again being almost forty years old. Um, I think they want to move on, on from Con- uh, Koskinen. Um, how they do that again is, is very challenging, but they they have to find a way to upgrade the goaltending because it's it's the biggest. Um, 
you know, the biggest issue with this team, you know, again, we talked about the bottom six and it is, it's you know a lot easier to, to try to go about replacing a couple bottom six guys, you know, for, um, you know, for late picks or, or whatever. Uh, but the goaltending is the biggest thing that could, that could have a tangible uh, or finding a new goaltender that, that could have a, a tangible impact on this team. Um, it's just a matter of how they go about doing it. It's, it's, it's more of the question than, than anything else. Well, listen, Daniel, it, uh, it's obviously, it's never a dull moment in Edmonton, even when the, uh, the team is kind of on pause here with COVID, uh, plenty of storylines, uh, for, for all of us to analyze. We appreciate you dropping by the podcast here. Uh, we're hoping that, uh, things will get back on track for, for the Oilers, at least getting back into game action, uh, later this week. And, uh, listen, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure at some point down the road. Oh, you're very welcome, guys. It's a pleasure being on with you guys. All right. That was a great uh, uh, little catch-up with Daniel there in Edmonton as the Oilers. Uh, boy, uh, what what a fascinating story there they're going to be in the uh, in the weeks and months ahead. So we appreciate uh, Daniel dropping by with his uh, vantage point on all things Oilers. Haley, time for us to wrap up the show. Got a couple of multiple-choice madness questions to uh, to tackle here. And i I got to ask you this because Kale McCarr, is having a dynamic season for the Colorado Avalanche, Haley. He's on pace. If you prorate his number, he's actually on pace to score more than 40 goals this season. That That's probably not going to happen, but I think a 30-goal season is within reach for sure. So here's what I want to know. Here's our first question in Multiple Choice Madness. What would you find more impressive? Is it A, if a forward ends up scoring 60 goals this season, or B, if a defenseman ends up scoring 30 goals? This season, what would you be more impressed by, Haley? That's hard. That's a really tough one. I think 60 goals in 82 games is really, really impressive. But at the same time, 30 goals for a defender who's for me, it's there's an asterisk there. It's a 30 goals for a defender who can also play well on the defensive side of the game. Like this isn't like a offensive defenseman who completely cheats the other side of the puck. Like that, that's really impressive to me because that's a really well-rounded player and and specifically when we're talking about Kale McCarr it's not just that he's scoring goals it's the goals that he's scoring um he completely walked Kirby Doc the other day and that's not the first time we've seen him do stuff like that like that is a generational defensive talent so I think if we're putting a, a face to the name I'm probably more impressed by someone like Kale McCarr doing what he's doing than you know a, a, a forward who is a known goal scorer scoring 60. I don't know though. 60 goals in 82 games is a lot. I think I'm yeah. just, I don't know. That's a, that's a really tough one. Cause I just think, oh, I think I'm just being kind of my, it's the recency bias with watching someone like Kale McCarr play and in the way that he influences the game at such an elite level, but uh, 60 and 82 is kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think it's a great. It's a great debate to have because if you since the year 2000, there's only been two players in the NHL to hit 60 goals. One was Alex Ovechkin, who had 65. The other, Steven Stamkos, who had a 60 goal season. And it's been more than a decade since that's happened, right? And then the only defenseman to score 30 in a season since the year 2000 is Mike Green. and But the funny thing is, Green kind of fits the prototype of what you were saying, Haley, like just a all-offensive guy. Brent Burns, by the way, had a 29-goal season and a 28-goal season, so he just missed out by a hair. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a forward. Like, to me, to score 60 goals 
and just scoring 50 these days is is a challenge. Yeah. Boy, to get to 60, um, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say a forward scoring 60, I would find uh, a little bit more uh, impressive. Okay, next question. We talked about, uh, we referenced Alex Nedeljkovic and the, the Calder Trophy way back when at the beginning of this show. I want to ask you this, because this is a weird one, Haley, because I actually voted for Alex Nedeljkovic as a Calder finalist last season when he was a goaltender for okay. the Carolina Hurricanes. But it turns out he didn't meet the threshold of games played, which is 25 for a goalie. So guess what? He's right back to be eligible again. So here's my question. Alex Nedeljkovic was a Calder uh, finalist last season. He's eligible to win the award this season. Would you vote for him for the Calder Award this season? Your options are A, yes, of course, I would vote for him again. He's eligible for the award. Why wouldn't I? Or B, no. You know what? I don't feel right potentially voting for him for the rookie of the year in two straight seasons. Where do you stand on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like this is a it's not like a guy who's played a ton of hockey in his in his NHL career. I think he played 23 games last year. 23 yeah. games for the Hurricanes. And, and, so and now 25 he's at, is the cutoff. Right, and he's at 24 now with the Detroit Red Wings. And, I mean, he's been good. I think he's got a winning record. Um, he's got a above 900 save percentage. I mean, I don't have a – we can debate whether or not he's going to be good enough to be voted in at the end of the season. That's a different conversation. But I think in terms of eligibility, yeah. If we're going to vote for Kaprizov, who had like nine years in the KHL. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get wild fans all over you. I'm sorry. I'm just no, but, saying. But don't you think? <laughs> but like he they played 23 have, games. He's still but, technically a rookie. The rules are the rules. But I know we were going to you know make that same argument last year. Make it this year. But they should have. And and this is not to. Uh, again, I think I would like. Look, if he's eligible, then he's eligible. So I, I'm not going to penalize the guy for that. But they should have changed the rules on the Delgovic because he appeared in 23 games in a 56 game season. Right, it wasn't twenty three games in eighty two games. It, they should have prorated it. I guess is what I'm saying, and right. they didn't. Yeah, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna penalize them for it. But it, I do feel weird that man for a second straight year I might put this guy on my Calder Trophy ballot. But uh, anyway, I don't think he's gonna end up winning it. Like as like we said earlier, Zegris, Cider, Raymond are probably ahead of him. But uh, but it certainly is uh, an interesting debate. Hey, let's wrap it up with this. Speaking of the uh, the Ducks and the Wings and all those great rookies. Uh, Haley, they didn't steal the show on Sunday. I'm obsessed. It, I can't it was believe it. Rally Monkey. Yes, Rally Monkey. He's the infamous, so cute. The infamous monkey who is Sorry. the the guy who uh, the, the guy. The monkey who gets the uh, Anaheim Angels fans. Mind. Uh or sorry, they're not the Anaheim Angels anymore. What are they? The Los Angeles Angels. Uh he gets them oh, going. Oh my god. And they got him. I'm sorry. They, I'm just <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm watching the video again and I can't. Like, he just, it's, it's so it's cute. A, sorry, continue the question. It is. It's, <laughs> but okay. So, Rally Monkey drops the puck before oh. Dallas, oh, sorry, before Detroit Anaheim on Sunday. Before I ask you the question here, as you've watched this video for the first time, did it not cross your mind that you're like, I don't think this monkey's going to drop the puck. Like, I, I was he like... He, like, I, throws it off the table. Right, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm watching it as you're talking. And I, I didn't know that this happened until I looked at our rundown for the day. And I, it's this is the cutest thing I think I've ever seen. He's wearing a little diaper. He has a jersey on. <laughs> he's sitting on a table. And he just throws the puck. He yeah. just... 
He just throws the puck and it lands right in between them. Like, it's a great puck drop. Look at him. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wish I know, we had it's... a close-up of, like, Dylan Larkin's face. Like, are these guys freaking heartless? Like, why aren't you Why aren't you shaking the monkey's hand? Why aren't you Yeah, what's the protocol more? there? You know, what's the protocol? Because usually when somebody drops ceremonial puck, you, you shake their hand, you have fist bump them. What do you they do with, it, with a the monkey? They didn't shake the monkey's hand. No. This is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Okay. Like, so do you this think is my... Ryan Getzlav cares? Like, has Ryan Getzlav like over this monkey? Is he just like, I've seen this guy before. But, <laughs> like, drop okay. the puck, dude. <laughs> I wanted, wouldn't you love to see, like, wouldn't you love access to a video of both Dylan Larkin and Ryan Getzlav the moment they were informed, hey, listen, you're coming out to take the ceremonial face uh, off tonight. And by the way, it's a monkey, it's a monkey <laughs> dropping the puck. Wouldn't you love to just, just that moment of just like, what was their reaction? Like, what did they say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I need to know. And I need to know, like, this is one of those things where it's like hockey players are so like into their routine. It's like, all right, let's drop the puck so we can like get the game on. I did my warm up. I've got to get going here. But like make an exception for the freaking monkey wearing a diaper. Yeah. In a little jersey. He's got a leash on. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. That is the cutest. That is the cutest freaking thing. Like, has there ever been another animal dropping a puck? Because now I've got to find out. No, no, I don't see. And so this is my question to wrap up the show, wrap up multiple choice madness. Rally monkey dropping the puck on Sunday. Is that the <laughs> oh most is that the most memorable ceremonial puck drop you've ever seen? Your options are A, yes. I can't think of anything more memorable than this, or B, no, I can think of a more memorable ceremonial puck drop. What do you got for us, Haley? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a picture of him <laughs> with a hockey stick. <laughs> Rally monkey. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I think the Snoop Dogg puck drop was really funny. Um. He did a Q&A, which was, like, hilarious. Like, Sean Gentilly got, like, Snoop Dogg <laughs> right. for a story this year. And Snoop Dogg was talking about that puck drop, and he called, like, Sidney Crosby, like, his little cuz, his little cousin, Sid the Kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think everything Snoop Dogg does is great. Um, so I thought the Snoop Dogg puck drop at the Kings-Penguins game, uh, geez, probably, like, in, what was that, 2016? Like, qu yeah. quite a few years ago now was, was great. Like, that was super fun. That was a... Awesome crossover. I think anytime you can get celebrities of that stature involved in hockey is great. Again, like LeBron James was tweeting it. Like now he's like a stakeholder in, in the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he posted a picture of the Penguins social on, on his Instagram. And that's like hundreds of millions of followers now looking at a Penguins thing. So anyways, I think that's awesome. But uh, yeah, no, Rally Monkey is the cutest. That's like my reaction to that. I can't pick anything else. That is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And there's a picture of him standing up on the table with a little hockey stick in a Ducks jersey. And I, I, I can't handle this right now. I should have, I should have watched that video before we started recording. <laughs> this yeah. is my live reaction to the live reaction. little monkey. And I'm obsessed and there's nothing better than that. I love it. By the way, our producer, Chris Flannery has chimed in telling us, uh, so for Haley, the two most memorable puck drops in NHL history involve a monkey and a dog. I love it. I love that. Uh, <gasps> Where's the dog that. one? Okay. Stoop dog. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so stupid. Okay. So let me throw one other one at you. 
that I feel like maybe I should have I I should have given you the heads up on this one or sent you the picture. Have you or maybe or maybe you've seen this? Uh, just okay. So back in the day in the 1980s, and there's a great debate as to whether this was the real Michael Jackson or an impersonator. Have you ever seen the picture of Michael oh Jackson, God. air quotes Michael Jackson, dropping the puck <laughs> in front of Mario Lemieux and Vancouver Canucks uh, captain Stan Smeal? It's from a game in Vancouver in the 80s, and there has been a great debate, Haley, as to whether or not it's the real Michael Jackson or it was an impersonator. And people have dug into this and they've looked into, was it like Michael Jackson was apparently playing in Vancouver around the same time and what, like people study the photos and I think it's come back that it's an impersonator and it's a fake, but it's an all time great photo. Fake Michael Jackson dropping a puck with a young Mario Lemieux right in front of him. That, that one is Do the all-time Do you think the Vancouver Canucks would actually hire like a fake Michael Jackson to drop a puck though? But but people have like, people have looked at this photo and said, for example, if this was but he's the got real- the, he's, got his, he's got his vibes, he's got his whole vibe on. Are you looking at the picture right now? Yeah, I'm also looking at an NHL.com story. Yeah. And, Which is like showing the merits of like, it's fake, it's real. Yeah. And I think it, you, the, the one thing why I think it's fake, and it was pointed out, I think, in that article, is if this was the real Michael Jackson, why wouldn't there have been like a red carpet for him to walk out to center ice? Like, they're just letting this guy, I, I, insert, oh, yeah, your moon, insert your moonwalk joke here, but you're going to let this guy slide out the king of pop on the ice with no, I, I think it's a fake. But that's the most memorable one. Do you think he even remembers? You think Mario Lemieux, with all the things that have happened in his life, would remember a? Well, I guess if it was the real Michael Jackson, he'd remember. I mean, it's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, Okay. 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 One of my favorite conspiracy theories, and this is going way off, and I don't care because I talk. This is like you know how everyone has a thing they could talk about all the time. Yeah. One of my favorite conspiracy theories is that Avril Lavigne actually died in two thousand and three, and it's been like a lookalike. Yeah. It's like the Paul McCartney. And it's not it's funny the- because it's not funny because like the they actually the, you know. The, the reasons why they think Avril Lavigne died is because, you know, her first album was very sad and she was severely depressed and Avril Lavigne actually died almost 20 years ago. And it's been this body double that's been actually Avril Lavigne the last 20 years. And it's like, what are we doing here? And it's the wildest thing. I just, anyways, that the Michael Jackson question really reminded me of the Avril Lavigne yeah, thing. The conspiracy. Like Michael Jackson's actually alive. Yeah. You know, one of these days we'll do in the off season, we'll do a, uh, our favorite hockey or sports related conspiracy theories, hockey related conspiracy theories. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Avril Lavigne one is hockey. I think she played minor hockey in Nepean. So. Did she? Jeez. (laughs) I don't know. We got to. Yeah. Make it up. I just want to talk about it some more. All right. We'll tell you what, we'll leave it there. This was a jam packed hour. I loved it. I, I think we probably in hindsight, we. Probably should have spent more time on Rally Monkey because your 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 love for Rally Monkey really came through uh, the last ten minutes here of the show, Haley. Yeah, I think that was the most energy I've brought in a while. 
Yeah. Okay. That's uh, we need to know. Uh, now we know what the, the things that get you going. All right. We'll leave Look it there. Look at the picture of him with the stick. I know. Th- you just texted me that. I hadn't seen I that. I sent it, it to the group good. chat. It's the cutest thing I think is, I've ever seen in my life. That is pretty uh, That is pretty impressive. All right. One we'll more leave thing it- before you wrap up the show. Yeah, of course. As I try to get out of this podcast for the seventh time. Stop it. I have more things to say. <laughs> my parents... I don't know if your family ever did this for you. Now you're like an old man. You can say it. Older. <laughs> <laughs> when you were young, I don't know if your parents ever did this for you while you were like covering a team, but like my parents bought Bono a Flames jersey for Christmas. <laughs> Why didn't we and lead with this? I don't know what to do with it because it's like, well. I'm a journalist. Like I'm, I'm not gonna wear a Flames jersey around. Like I, do I put my dog in one? <laughs> I think it's really fun. I, th- I, I think it's acceptable if you're a beat reporter. If your pet wears the hat or shirt or jersey of the team that you cover, I'm gonna say that that's acceptable to me. Right. Okay. You know, I'll put like the it's, jersey on him later. You're not gonna buy your dog. Like, you remember when Rob Lowe showed up to that NFC championship game with an NFL hat? Like, <laughs> the generic NFL hat? You're neutral. not going to put your dog in an NHL jersey. Like, it's got to be of a Bono team, Bono right? is neutral. So. Bono is non-biased. Yeah. He's a neutral party. No, okay. he loves the Flaming Sea. It wasn't a Blasty jersey. I was like, what the hell, Mom and Dad? What the hell? You didn't get him a Blasty jersey? You got yeah. him the, the Flaming Sea? Really? My dog is better than this. Also, they bought it in an extra large size, which I think is too big. So I was a little offended also. <laughs> My dog well, is li- not overweight. Listen, we'll, we'll leave this to the listeners. They can hit us up in the comment section <laughs> or you can tweet at us. Is it onside or offside for Haley to put her dog in a Calgary Flames jersey? I- I'm going to say it's onside. I-, I don't see a problem with it, but I'm sure somebody, somebody out there will have a problem. All right, this time for realsies, we're going to leave it there. And we're going to thank everybody for listening to this latest edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite podcast uh, platform. You can leave us a rating, leave us a review. We appreciate uh, that for sure. Want to remind you, you can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial. Then it's just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, you can get a subscription to the Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com. Slash Hockey Show.